0: And welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Week Twelve NFC Preview Edition. I'm your host Ian Hart. It's Happy Wednesday, Happy Thanksgiving. It's a great day to be great. And joining me on this edition of the podcast, as always, PFF's finest host of the Unexpected Points Podcast, Kevin Cole. Kevin, we just talked to AFC. Now we're talking NFC. What a what a freaking process, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, we really got that nailed. Um <laughs> I am okay, let us talk about Thanksgiving a little bit here because you know, Detroit, Dallas, NFC, Thanksgiving. Do you have any hot takes on Thanksgiving because I feel like this year it's been better than most years on social media where everyone deems it necessary to say how they don't like turkey. I mean, turkey's good, people. It's fine. You gravy, mashed potatoes, go go get it, you know, just mix it all together if you have to. You have any hot Thanksgiving takes side takes anything.
0: My food opinions are so bad, and like I just recognize <laughs> that. that I, I don't think I'm I think people other- want to
1: know though. People would want to know because they've seen the history of your you know uh, Anthony style yeah. of cooking, and they want to know how does it apply to Thanksgiving.
0: I naturally have a terrible food take for Thanksgiving, and I said that the cranberry sauce is probably my favorite part of the entire
1: meal, oh. Kevin. Like i just, just eating it straight out of the can. Okay, that's that's, yeah. It's delicious <laughs> he's just sitting around watching Detroit bills you know it's twenty seven to the to, to twelve and and just 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 housing some cranberry sauce. I love it
0: see like sometimes I've had people like ask me before like, oh, how come you like you only talk about football or fantasy or just nonsense on Twitter. It's like, yeah, look at my takes on food and other stuff. They're usually terrible. And I don't like when people yell at me if I can avoid it. So
1: that's you're going to you get know. roasted for pretty much anything, any food takes or food stuff that you put out there. So it's good to just lean into the awfulness of it.
0: And with that, let's get things started with our first place, nine and one Eagles still atop the NFC East. Things didn't come easy against the Colts last week, but a win is a win is a win. That said, Kevin, again, similar to the Ravens, not to the same degree, but I think maybe just the overall upside of this passing game is perhaps being a little bit overstated. They are the sixth most run heavy offense on the season, fewer than 28 passes every single game since week five. Look, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Like, we're starting all, all these guys with confidence and fancy, only to a slightly lesser extent for Devonta, obviously. But just with this passing game, like, I guess the question is, do you think that they can get by in this run-heavy offense when it does come time to play, you know, in January and, you know, playoff football? Is it actually a benefit to be a run-heavy offense when we're going to have the cold weather and the pads popping and all that stuff going on? Or do we maybe need to see a higher ceiling out of Hurts in this passing game to expect the eagles to kind of complete their destiny as the best team in the NFC this year.
1: Yeah, I think we probably lowers some of the confidence you can have in the offense, the fact that the passing game you may not be as confident in. There's always a big focus on like you got to be able to run the ball for these for these passing offenses because you got to be able to do in certain situations you're going to need to run the ball this and that. I don't know. I would much rather have like a high, high end passing attack, whether it's Kansas city or Buffalo or someone like that with a questionable running game, then have like a great or good passing game with an excellent running game. I still think there are more scenarios where that can become a problem. and can become an issue. And from a fantasy perspective, Jalen hurts is just money. No matter what happens, he'll run the ball. He'll do whatever has to go, whatever, so ha- whatever has to happen there. But I do think from a fantasy perspective, if you have, You know, AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, you're feeling good about having them. But to say you're going to go through like the fantasy playoffs and get a good outcome for them each of the two or three weeks, depending upon your league format, it's questionable.
0: Definitely nitpicking here to an extent. Again, you're feeling good about it, especially with Hurts. I mean, look. 15th most fantasy points per game this season from just rushing production like among all running backs and all that it has been incredible to see what hurts has been capable of doing but yes fewer than 220 team passing yards in all but one game since week three so yeah the one game they didn't AJ Brown had three touchdowns against the Steelers like you see the upside you know poke its head out there from time to time just hasn't been maybe quite as consistent as you might see with some other passing games but once again still an awfully good team and a great offense Only another note is Miles Sanders you know can Continues to struggle a little bit to find the end zone. They don't throw him the ball very often. He did actually get behind the secondary last week and drew a long defensive pass interference penalty, but it's not a consistent part of his game. So low end RB2, borderline RB2. I don't think he needs to be started. Otherwise, yeah, we know we're getting in Philly. Second place Dallas Cowboys coming off that absolute massacre over the Vikings this week, obviously home against the Giants on Thanksgiving, nine and a half point favorites against the Giants again, total at 45 and a half. So you kind of brought this up. uh, I think shortly after Dak returned, I think it was in that, uh, Bears game where they scored a 48 eventually but a lot of it was you know the defense helping out and then the run game able to take over but the quote-unquote problem for this offense is how damn good the defense is because Dak and company don't really have to keep their foot on the gas now at least the scoring upside is up I mean look this offense with Cooper Rush and even Dak under center in week one didn't score more than 25 points in weeks one through six since getting Dak back though they've had 24 48 28 and 40 points out there so Similar to Philly, like I don't want to seem like we're hating on anything about the Cowboys offense because they're really good and they're an awesome team, obviously, uh, with, you know, legit, seemingly Super Bowl at a minimum, you know, NFC aspirations uh, this year. But just, again, from a more fantasy perspective here, what do you make of these weapons moving forward? Because we have Ceedee, we have Tony Pollard, who is just making the most out of every single touch he gets. But it's disappointing to have an offense that, has shown they can crack 40 points, you know, how well. And I guess not having that second wide receiver we can get behind, not having a quarterback who is seemingly capable of giving us still those top three, top five world-beating performances. Still solid, but just maybe not quite as good as we would have expected from some of the talented pieces at hand.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know this seems to be the week that everyone was giving the flowers. So we'll talk about some more flowers. To Dak Prescott for how great that he was playing and how well he executed and everything else. But you're right. What's interesting, in the AFC pod, I was listing off all of these receivers who were better than, just to show the quality, who were better than Amari Cooper and then Christian Kirk. Who's the name that I didn't list there? CeeDee. CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb, I mean, you could say, you know, you have your one guy on this offense, but you don't even really have him at the level that you would like. That you would like Um, and it's not just a Cooper Rush thing. It's partially a Cooper Rush thing. I know last week he had his explosion game, but he's not a guy you can necessarily count on on a weekend and week basis because Tony Pollard is the explosive playmaker on on this team and it's not even a joke to say so. And the thing is a 68 yard catch and a 38 yard catch last week. It's not like it's completely fluky either. These are plays, and this will be the the interesting thing for me, is like what they're going to do with the backfield. I think Zeke is going to continue to fall into the end zone once or twice a week, so he'll be usable. But Tony Pollard, those two plays that he made, which are enormous plays, probably the two biggest plays offensively that the Cowboys made during that game, are both plays where if it's Zeke and not Tony Pollard, those are not touchdowns. Those are maybe big plays. Those are maybe decent plays, but they're not touchdowns. You have to have the speed not only to beat the linebacker, but to take it all the way on the wheel route, which is a huge play. And then on the 30-yard touchdown, on the swingish sort of, uh, screenish sort of pass that he got, he still had to have the speed to beat the defenders who were coming there to pursue. And I don't think Zeke can do that. So Tony Pollard is really the story of this offense as far as an explosive playmaker.
0: And what's impressive, uh, I think Romo brought this up on the, on the uh, broadcast, but looking at Pollard this year, he leads the NFL in yards after contact per carry even like, and that seems to be the one thing that you could give more credit and credence to Zeke about being the better running back. And to be fair, yeah, I don't, there aren't many running backs better than Zeke at getting that one yard when you need one yard. I mean, Pollard got stuffed on back-to-back goal line carries. Zeke was able to pound it in on his first try. So there's still a role in this offense for Zeke specifically short yardage. Should you pay $90 million for a short yardage back? Probably not. And I think that's the problem that we continuously have uh, talking about this backfield, but I did think that Pollard number could be inflated, and it's really not, Kevin. Again, one of the things I like to do for yards after contact because, look, if you break an arm tackle at the line of scrimmage and run for a 70-yard touchdown, that's 70 yards after contact, but that can really skew a number that I think we kind of think of differently. So, I like to look at the percentage of carries that a running back has with at least two rushing yards after contact. And this season, 32 running backs with at least 100 carries. Only Aaron Jones has a higher rate of at least two yards after contact per carry than Tony Pollard. So, he's been consistent inside outside receiver. The man's an absolute baller and at this point man like if you have freaking three top five running backs i guess pollard's on your bench but like you better have an absolute loaded squad i have pollard as my rb eight this week and i'm not completely convinced he's getting 20 plus opportunities per game but at some point kevin you know we're not playing in points per carry and points per volume league we're playing in games where we need to realize yards and pollard at this point he's picking them up better than just about any other running back out there
1: yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's just the way to to look at it across the board. The efficiency is probably not going to be at super high level that we've seen so far but plenty good enough you're firing them up and you're happy about it. Giants still sitting
0: at 7 and 3. You could maybe argue they got exposed a bit last week, but honestly, I thought that Daniel Jones really had his best game of the season, or at least he was asked to do more out there. He still had the mistakes, a couple of interceptions, but that last touchdown drive he had—I mean, actually three straight throws—that maybe kind of step back and say, "Damn, Daniel Jones doing some good things out there!" And once again, doing it with pretty much nobody. I mean, the starting four wide receivers for this offense going into Week One were supposed to be Kadarius Tony, who now resides in Kansas City, Sterling Shepard, who tore his ACL early on in the season, Wandale Robinson, who unfortunately tore his ACL and the mannequin Kenny Galladay. So the fact that Darius Slayton has been truly, and I'm not trying to hate on Darius Slayton, but the fact that he has been their most consistent bright spot in the wide receiver room, like, it makes sense that Daniel Jones has been putting up big-time passing numbers because who exactly is he going to be throwing the ball to out here? Daniel freaking Bellinger had that eye injury. He's still not back, and we're talking about Daniel Bellinger as someone that potentially could help out this passing game. So, again, Kevin, it's just one of those things where, with Daniel Jones, they are trying to evaluate if he can be the quarterback of the future, and based on the weapons they've had there, I don't know how he could be anything else, but pretty damn pleased with how he's played this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty damn pleased with how he's played. Uh, Pretty happy about the continued juice that he gives in the running game with another rushing touchdown there. Uh, Saquon Barkley, I guess, is the story. He's probably another guy where, you know, it's weird to talk about Saquon Barkley and Damian Pierce maybe together in the same sentence, but I do think there are similarities in the fact that they had shown basically no vulnerability to poor overall offensive play and, Saquon Barkley is less of a game script dependent sort of player as Pierce, but there's also some similarities in the fact that the offense, sometimes is just not going to come to play and you can't necessarily expect him always to have a high end outcome and you can't always expect him to bust a big play. He was much more of a variance type of player early in his career, even when he was the RB one as a rookie with those big plays, sometimes those aren't going to happen. He's going to have some down weeks. So it's something you can pencil in going forward. Of course you love Saquon Barkley, but This is, you know, the floor is a little bit lower when you're playing in an offense that can't sustain and score 20 plus points every single week.
0: Last week, first time on the season, Saquon finished worse than the RB 17 in full PPR scoring. So, yeah, it was, you know, I saw some people cursing it out. You know, you, you were in a must win game. You had Saquon and Justin Jefferson out there somehow and weren't able to come through for you. But this happens to even the best players in the league, unless your name is 2021 Cooper Cup. Uh, final point here is Darius Slayton. Again, just enough entries have happened where he is now pretty much the undisputed number one in this passing game. And you look at his last six games, he finished as the PPR. PR wide receiver 22, had a wide receiver 73, dud, and then 19, 35, 15, and most recently, this 22nd ranked wide receiver on the week. So I'm not completely buying it. I mean, this is going to be a tough matchup here. I don't think he's necessarily going to catch the Trayvon Diggs shadow, but still an offense that wants to go through Saquon Barkley as much as possible. And a lot of these similar numbers I've talked about with Hurts, with Fields, with some of these dual threat quarterbacks that Daniel Jones does fall in that same bucket with, Lamar Jackson as well. We're not getting more than like 200, 215 passing yards. It's like an entire volume really for anybody uh, to seize too much of that. That said, with Darius Slayton now, he really is the last man standing here. So are you confident he can keep up? What has honestly been, again, five of the last six weeks as a wide receiver three or better?
1: Um, I mean, I'm not confident, no, but I think it's interesting that, and he's a talented dude. I mean, I guess I'll just say that. I think he has talent. I don't think it's pure luck that this is happening, despite the fact that they were trying to freeze him out in this passing game. So he can give you some higher end outcomes, but confidence is something I don't have. If you're thin at wide receiver, yeah, you can fire him up and feel okay about it.
0: Yeah, and I would say in the middle four of those games, just three, six, six, and four targets. So he's made the most out of some of these, and I do agree with Kevin's point that he's talented. Like, that was always my kind of issue with the whole Wandale-Robinson hype train. And look, Wandale had a fantastic game his last time before injury, so you can certainly say that I was well on my way to taking a big, fat L there. But I just think sometimes we get so obsessed with the rookies in particular, and a day-two rookie in Wandale who, yes, he's talented, but is Wandale-Robinson more talented than Darius Slayton? Because he got picked higher in the draft. Like at some point, doesn't Slayton scoring eight touchdowns as a rookie in the NFL like kind of mean that maybe he's a little more talented than that fifth round draft capital. So it just seems like that again, so much of the yearly focus is on the draft, and it's very cool and it is meaningful in terms of uh projecting guys moving forward. Just one of those things where you know, maybe at some point the undrafted guys, the day three guys, once they're in the league for three, four years, maybe we can just say that they're pretty damn talented in their own right. Last place, six and five, Washington Commanders. Taylor Heineke experience keeps on keeping on. Winners win. Kevin and Taylor Heineke has been doing a lot of that. Favor to do just that again four points favorites against Atlanta in Washington. Game total resting at 42. So look Taylor Heineke he is our single lowest graded passer on the season in terms of just pure PFF passing grade mostly because of his turnover worthy plays nobody has a higher rate of them this season. That said if there is going to be a matchup where he can maybe get going it could come against this Falcons D Defense that man, even before they got AJ Terrell back was already bad. And AJ Terrell, I'm cutting him a little bit of slack because this year he has been following number one wide receivers all over the field more weeks than not. Last year he stayed on his side and yeah, they just picked apart the rest of the defense and they didn't throw the ball to AJ Terrell. And people, some people got that twisted as like, okay, he's a top five cornerback in the league. Look at all these numbers that he isn't allowing. So this year, He has allowed a league-high seven touchdowns. But again, when you're following the number one guy, I'll give you some more slack. But man, overall... 28th ranked defense in EPA allowed per pass play, 22nd explosive pass play rate, 25th in fantasy points per game allowed to QBs, and their 30th against wide receivers. So could this be a boom for Heineke and McLaurin this passing game, or is it a situation where we know how erratic Heineke is, and even though we've seen some nice games from Terry McLaurin here, we just got to keep in mind there is a low, low floor here if we do see the bad game come out.
1: Yeah, I mean, even when we talk about the floor, though, and uh, we talked about this in reference to other wide receivers even top wide receivers i mean it's it's a naturally a low floor position so i don't think heineke is like an especially low floor um that's more of an issue probably with some running backs when it comes to overall offensive efficiency and not having those touchdowns and those sorts of things that can happen not being involved in the passing game i think mclaurin is going to be a guy who continues to be targeted as long as heineke is there and i think Heineke has played well enough despite the fact that I saw Carson Wentz is back and practicing. I think Heineke has been played well enough where they're probably going to ride him for the rest of the season no matter what happens unless the bottom completely falls out. So I think that's good for Terry McLaurin
0: could be another chance for McLaurin to win a high-profile shadow matchup. I am am expecting him to catch that AJ Terrell shadow. And this year, man, it seems like even teams that don't normally shadow, they go out of their way to do so against McLaurin sometimes. He's faced off against Darius Slay twice, went for over 100 yards in both games. 73 yards in a tutty against Jair Alexander. Over 100 against Stephon Gilmore. I mean, 75 against Akuda, Even burnt Christian Fulton over there on the Titans quite a bit as well. So, Terry McLaurin, man, eighth in the NFL in receiving yards. Really great to finally see him get some of those counting numbers to reflect what we've always known is that he is such a great wide receiver. Last point here, Kevin, is Antonio Gibson. I'm not sure if, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, fantasy manager, saw this because the game was pretty much wrapped up for most of the second half, but selfish selfishly, Kevin, put his real-life team's aspirations ahead of those of his fantasy managers, had a chance to cap things off with a 13-yard touchdown run, but he slid down accidentally short of the first-down marker, so that didn't even help what he was trying to do, and he should have had, you no know, a six-yard touchdown there at the end. So, that aside, that disappointing decision aside, we did see him actually take over this backfield to a decent extent from Brian Robinson, who continues to go out there and work as one of the league's least efficient running backs. I will not give my yards per touch statistics again, because those make Kevin mad. But all you need to know is that Brian Robinson this year still hasn't even managed to average four yards per carry in a single game. So Gibson last week, 67% snaps, 18 carries and three targets. Robinson, 34% and 15 carries with no targets. J.J. McKissick out for the foreseeable future on IR with that neck injury. So I have Gibson ranked as my RB 22, and I think he has a decent chance to do what he did last season down the stretch, provide some PPR goodness now that this backfield is condensed to only two backs.
1: Yeah, I thought this was a really, really encouraging game for Gibson. And at a certain point, what we all hope for – We don't always get, but we all hope for is that when you see one player who clearly seems to be a little bit more dynamic, give you a little more, more pop, give you a little bit more upside that they're going to get a bigger workload as the season continues. And even though Gibson seems to have been in this like quasi doghouse going all the way back to the offseason, he is, I believe, playing himself in that direction and it should continue going forward. So I'm pretty high on Gibson. I think he's like a really solid running back to have for the stretch run.
0: Good to see him just get fully healthy this year i mean i I know it's one of those things where when guys play through the pain we just kind of give them credit initially and then we forget about it after a couple weeks but he really was hurt for all of last season and i say this as i am actively knocking on wood zero fumbles so far this year obviously a massive problem in 2021 with those league high six of them so credit to antonio gibson for keeping that ball high and tight and off the ground Moving on to the NFC North, still first place, eight and two Vikings, but Kevin, after last week, minus two point differential on the season, despite being, you know, eight and two. They're playing against the Patriots on Thanksgiving, favored by two and a half at home in the night game. Game total resting at just 42 and a half. So on the one hand, man, that was a rough game. On the other hand, there were several moments early on in the game that I think could have prevented it from being a route. TJ Hawkinson dropped a six yard touchdown. Justin Jefferson, I think, got, you know, probably should have had a chance for a 28 yard touchdown. Trayvon Diggs, awesome game overall. I mean, give Jefferson a 28 yard touchdown, add that to his counting numbers, and you're still really impressed with what Trayvon did. Got away with a bit of a hold there on the first drive. So I don't want to completely write off the Vikings. But we did see a lot of evidence to support what a lot of people were already saying before the game, that they were a bit more fraudulent than your typical eight and one team. Is that fair? They're still really good. Maybe not great.
1: Yeah, I think that's fine. I think that's a fine way to to put it forward. And, you know, not everyone has to, like, match their record for how good they are all the time. I know it's you are your record. Ah, Bill Parcells, you know, he <laughs> put that out there that everyone has to. It's gone as far as I've seen people making arguments where they're talking about different quarterbacks in the playoffs. Like, well, this quarterback is 0-1 in the playoffs and this quarterback is 2-1. And then I, heard, I saw someone respond with you know, disputing, like using that metric. <laughs> and then the person said, Hey, you are your record. It's like, no, you're not your record for one game or for three games. So anyway, I think everyone, you know, we can just, everyone could calm down and be happy with what, wh- where they are and not have to worry about, are you the number one team? Cause you have the number one record.
0: <laughs> Very fair. And again, hey, from a fantasy perspective, all pretty simple. Starting Justin Jefferson, Dalvin cook and TJ Hawkinson, man.
1: he has. I will say a- one fan. thing though, for yeah, Vikings he- fans, you got a little chippy this last week. Like I, <laughs> I got multiple comments and multiple podcasts about, oh, Kevin hates the Vikings. You guys were with me on being fraudulent all this season. And then you go and beat the Bills in a game you should have lost. You go and beat the Bills, and now you guys want your flowers. Everyone <laughs> wants the flowers. And I did not give you as many flowers. I gave you some flowers, but maybe not the full bouquet. You didn't get the full bouquet. Um, so, you know, serves you right a little bit what happened last week. Okay, go ahead. Continue. Sorry.
0: TJ Hawkinson first three games here PPR tight end 5 7 and 11 he said target totals of 9 10 and 9 honestly I think Hawkinson's involvement is the main reason why we've seen Adam Thielen fall off a little bit because no longer do we see Thielen really featured as his offensive red zone option so this week Patriots really a great defense everywhere they have been a little bit susceptible to tight ends though allowing the ninth most PPR points per game to the position so TJ Hawkinson every week top five treatment I do have him ranked as a top four tight end. Only other thing I did want to bring up, I'm looking up exactly what percentage of ESPN leagues he's owned in, but Alexander Madison with some of these buys and stuff, you know, he's one of those guys, let's see. Okay. Only rostered in 23.6% of ESPN uh, rosters because he's someone that obviously in the off season, even early parts of the season, we know just how high his handcuff potential can be, but then bye weeks happen. And, you know, you just see this guy that's never giving you any sort of standalone value guys have to cut him at some point. Guys, one injury to Dalvin Cook away from Madison being a legit top 12 running back the rest of the way. God forbid he is on the way for wire and you have the room. Go get him. Continues to be one of the best handcuffs in fantasy. We've seen that for quite some time. Second place, four and six Detroit Lions. This is all my fault. They were one and six. I was making fun of the restore the roar crowd and the roar is starting to get rec- uh, restored over here, Kevin. They have won three straight games. I absolutely jinxed it. Now, it's not looking great this uh, Thursday. They're facing off against the Bills. Buffalo favored by nine and a half points. Game total at 54 and a half week high mark for the first game of the week on Thanksgiving. So, hey, when is a win is a win? You are what your record says you are, Kevin. You just said that's the you. single biggest thing we need to trust over here. But, again, just with this offense, I feel great about Amon Ra St. Brown and maybe just maybe DJ chart coming back and not playing a full allotment of snaps yet, but it's just good to have healthy receivers. Josh Reynolds has been out and Jamison Williams actually getting his practice window activated. i didn't even know if he was going to play this year and it does seem like he is on schedule to do just that. So I guess the question here down the stretch is because for right now it's Amon Ra and it's Jamal Williams. But do you think this offense now that some of the wide receivers are getting healthier again could get back to being what was the number one ranked scoring offense in the league weeks one through five
1: yeah maybe not number one but i think they could be pretty strong i think what's what's weird about this is going into the season you would have said one of their most dynamic players was deandre swift and i don't know man it's not getting any better uh, Justin Jackson is like consistently out snapping this guy. But yet the juju, I guess, is good around the building with uh, with Swift uh, put on mothballs and giving all of the juicy goal line carries to Jamal Williams, who is cleaning up in that department. So I think it's a good offense. I think it's a defense is playing a little bit better recently against weak competition. They probably have the ability to go basically 500 the rest of the season, maybe hit some overs for some people who bet on them in the offseason, that six and a half. Uh, over under total. So I think they're an interesting team and they could even give a little bit. I know I said this could be over early and, you know, a wipeout for the Bills. They could give a little something to the Bills. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. DeAndre Swift, we can't start him in close start sit conversations. I mean, he's my RB 36 on the week and I'm going to continue to go with Jamal Williams and many other running backs ahead of him. Justin Jackson is unironically working ahead of Swift and we can say they're working him back into the equation but we can't measure right now exactly when that's going to change. Cause Swift isn't going into these games as questionable. He's practicing in full going in without an injury designation. And then we can hear Dan Campbell, you know, just say his usual stuff about, yeah, you know, they're hoping to get him more involved when he's healthier and all that. So look, I and mean, we can pick apart every single carry the guy has out there because it's one, again, one of those things guys are playing through injury and all of a sudden, you know, we kind of forget that at some point, but it's just frustrating, man. He's averaging 6.1 yards per carry this season. So, Okay, he he picks the wrong hole sometimes. Okay, you know, a lot of those came from the first two games of the year where he was having a lot of explosive runs. Those are things that he brings to the table. So I just, again, the fact that Justin Jackson, a guy that couldn't find an NFL roster until early August, is now playing ahead of the guy where Lions fans and everyone else in the organization couldn't stop gushing over just what he brought to the offense. It's, uh, it's been so disappointing to see. So, yeah, until we have any level of confidence that DeAndre Swift can see even 10, 10 combined carries and targets, which is not good, but that's what we would need to, in order to get him back into that RB2 conversation. For now, I'll continue to answer any sort of close start-sit questions with the other guy four and seven Packers in third place in Philly on Sunday night. Football Eagles favored by seven. Game total of 46 and a half. So I thought last Thursday night was probably Aaron Rodgers' worst game of the season. That said, there were, you know, some Alan Lazard drops in there and we still did see the two touchdowns to our guy, Christian Watson. Kevin, he say you said the line at two and a half. So he has not gotten over that the rest of the way, but so far, so good. Um, so bad, but-
1: so bad. I was joking with you about that, that, you know, we're expecting the regression on the touchdown front well he regressed from a touchdown on 75 percent of receptions to a touchdown on 50 percent of receptions. so directionally i'm right Uh, so i'll claim that as like a partial w on this one
0: directionally get the hell out of here but i won't like I don't think Rodgers is washed. I think this was another example of a primetime game, bringing out some extreme opinions about about him. And again, it wasn't good. You can say it was his worst game of the season, but the week before was his best game of the season against a Cowboys defense that really looked more mortal against that Packers offense than any other group we've seen this year. So again, probably not the sexiest or biggest hot take thing to say out here. But yeah, I think this Packers offense is probably just much closer to average or good at their peak and they're not going to be great. And we just saw another example of that really coming to fruition last week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's exactly it. And I mean, you're still hopeful for, for Christian Watson that he'll be able to do some stuff down the stretch two, three touchdowns a week. If he's dependent upon that, maybe it's not the greatest thing, but if you're, maybe not this week, so there's no buys this week, but you know, you got some bye weeks still coming up, you got some injuries, you got some other stuff going on. I mean, I was happy to have him. I actually had Burks and Watson starting in our PFF league last week, so I was pretty happy about that Thursday night matchup, and at least there's hope, you know, he's he's a raw receiver. I think everyone called him a raw receiver, so he, as long as he continues to contribute positively, and there's some good feelings via Rodgers, you know, and when Rodgers is doing his meditation and other things, you know, it'll come up, the touch touchdowns that watson's been scoring will come into his mind and maybe he'll target him more even more going forward i have
0: my wide receiver 25 this week and i think that's a pretty fair mark so he's not someone that needs 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 to be started in every lineup because again he is scoring the touchdowns guys but only six targets last week i mean that's what randall cobb had Al lazard out there with 11 like there are still possibilities he's he's ascending for sure i have watson ranked ahead of all these other packers wide receivers for sure just realized, still a passing game. We have seen hit some ruts. A passing game that hasn't always had thirty-nine pass attempts like they did last week to go around. Boomer bus wide receiver potentially, and guess what? When he booms, it's fantastic. There could be a bus here or there, and we will live with that. Last place three and eight Chicago bears continuing to just have the tank of all tanks here with Justin Fields flashing, but them ultimately going out and losing the football game this week. They're in New York facing the jets. Jets are favored by four and a half points with Mike white under center game total at 39 and a half. So Justin Fields, we got to keep an eye on his dislocated left shoulder. He is day to day and also could miss the entire season uh, per, (laughs) per the bears. So got to love getting that, uh, you know, range of uh, injury outcomes, but that said Trevor Simeon could be out there under center, Kevin. People forget Trevor Simeon once declined a Pro Bowl invite. That's how that's how good Trevor Simeon is. Didn't even need the Pro Bowl. He said, nah, I'm good. So if we have Justin Fields out there, We know what the pass game is at this point. It's just not going to be enough constant opportunity for anyone other than kind of Darnell Mooney, who scored last week and should have had another 70-yard house call, if not for an overthrow. Darnell Mooney is going to be out there. Okay, reasonable wide receiver three if you want. Cole Komet, if he scores a touchdown, it's going to be fine. But we kind of know what the passing game is. And then Fields on his own. Fantastic rusher. We've all seen that top five fantasy quarterback. And, oh, hey, Dave Montgomery without Khalil Herbert, he warrants upside RB2 treatment himself because he's being featured with a legit three-down roll. How do you change your opinions, though, on this offense if we do have to see Trevor Simeon under center, though, Kevin? Would we be more interested in guys like Mooney and Chase Claypool? Or are we going to see an offense that, on paper, entering the year, we sure thought was the worst in the league, start looking more like that group?
1: Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, I think you could, you could be more excited that there might be some sort of upside outside of a touchdown catch. I know Cole Komet has had a decent rapport with field. That catch he had
0: last week was sick. I do got to put some. Yeah, that was, on that was an amazing,
1: name. amazing catch. So yeah, you're going to hope you're going to lean into that. And you also could get this thing where the defense is like legit, maybe worse in the NFL at this point. So Volume-based PPR sort of production if Fields is not in the game. I guess Fields, a bunch of reporters all came out at the same time saying that it was not a dislocated shoulder, which makes me think, that it was his agent putting out that information because, you know, the agent has the speed dial there for her or the speed text where they just send it out to like 20 insiders at the same time. And they all tweet out. They all like make one correction or one adjustment to the text and then tweet it out at the same time. So if that's coming from his camp, hopefully that means that he still be willing and ready and able to play and not want to take time off. But if he does, I do think there's more upside from a PPR standpoint for the receivers.
0: God, quarterback changes are like any injury, and these national reporters just go absolutely wild. It's it, they're never actually adding anything to it. It's just like, hey, there's this quarterback switcher. Hey, the team reported this guy got hurt, and it's like, okay, anything else? No. Whatever. Okay. Moving on to the NFC South. First place, five and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This week they are in Cleveland, Tampa, coming off the buy favor by three and a half. Game total resting at just 43. Is this offense fixed. They went to Germany, went to Munich. Tom Brady, we're laughing now. He didn't go up. He didn't make the contested catch. Is this offense fixed, Kevin?
1: um fixed is probably an overstatement but i always thought that it had potential to get a lot better uh maybe not round into complete 2021 form but uh approach you know a reasonable proximity of that and i think that's what we're we're getting from them and you know you're you're happy if you have mike evans i think you're happy about chris goblin and what he can do going forward and you're not that happy about having Tom Brady himself as they still seem to like to lean into the run a little bit. It's just more of the backfield that I'm probably more interested in than anything else. I think we're going to see a 50-50 split with Fournette already showing somewhere in tear and potential injuries there. So will Rashad White happen? This has been a guy that a lot of people, including myself, have wanted to happen this season. So maybe we'll get some hint of that in the next week if they even lean further towards him than they have towards Fournette and it won't even be a 50-50 split.
0: Bucks beat reporter Greg Allman did tweet that he expects White to retain his starting job. He did add the caveat that whoever gets more touches the rest of the way will hinge on the production at hand. So the one thing with Lenny, he did suffer a hip injury in that game. ESPN's Adam Schefter has already noted that he is not expected to miss any additional time. We do have Giovanni Bernard potentially coming off the IR, but he didn't even play on offense before getting injured in the first place. So I'm with you. I think it's a 50-50 split likely between Fournette and Rashad White. I do think we're maybe overrating how good Rashad White has been. I get the potential. Don't the you profile. dare say that. Come Don't on. you
1: dare say that. Exact <laughs> okay. same. I know. No, I'm with you. He hasn't been like, it's not a Tony Pollard-Zeke situation. No. Or
0: even a Khalil herbert David Montgomery. I mean, look, yeah. Fournette, Fournette's averaged more yards per route run. They had the exact same yards after contact per carry. White's at 3.7 yards per carry. Fournette's at 3.4. So again, the whole rushing game has been horrendous. I mean, last week was their first time, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, I believe their first time over 100 yards since that week one game against the Cowboys so I agree I think the eye test tells you that Rashad White's more explosive and we do already see Lenny wearing down getting a little bit banged up to your previous point but yeah not must starts at this point but finally some standalone value for Rashad White like I did rank him one spot ahead of Leonard Fournette so tough scene for you Leonard Fournette uh fancy managers out there still an RB3 I think certainly not that you know volume based RB1 we were hoping he might be the rest of the way Second place, five and six, Atlanta Falcons. This week they're in Washington. Four point underdogs. Game total at forty-two. We're getting on, getting on the Drake London train. Unfortunately, Kyle Pitts will be missing at least the next four weeks on um, on the IR with that knee injury. And you know he hasn't really boomed yet this season, but just you know. Hashtag watching the film, Kevin. Drake London looks good, looks good out there, man. The separation concerns that you know followed him around as a prospect, I always thought were incorrectly rooted in this idea that a contested catch rate is you know more about someone's separation than anything. So I'm not worried about that. And again, small sample. It's still on offense. It doesn't have a ton of volume. I man, we got the Mariota experience, but looking good for Drake London. I'm confident he can be an upside wide receiver three the rest of the way.
1: Mm, I mean, a little too far, a little too far. I I almost had you. I mean, maybe, I mean, confident that that was the word that just jumps out at me. I have no confidence in anything to having to do with this passing game. I guess it helps that Kyle Pitts is not there. I mean, maybe whatever. Like, is there anyone that could get less usage than Kyle Pitts? I guess they probably will actually have someone playing tight end who will get less usage than um, than Kyle Pitts here with. We never know. Would it be funny? If Michael Pruitt came in and was, like, scoring touchdowns, and was getting tar- targeted and doing something in fantasy. But, you know, I like Drake London as a talent. I just hate this offense. You know, I just hate, hate, hate this offense. 20 pass attempts last week. I hate it.
0: Even, uh, even my guy, Cordero Patterson, can't consistently be relied on because as much as Kings State Kings and Cordero Patterson is the definition of that all. Oh, time leader in NFL history and kick returns brought back for a touchdown. Kind of hard to rely on those uh, each and every week, Kevin, when it comes to fantasy football. So Yeah, speaking. I mean,
1: Mariota had 13 rushing attempts. Yeah just, just unfortunately just killing everybody
0: CPAT in his first three games back from injury 14 6 and 12 touches he has no receiving role in this offense because who does have a consistent receiving role in this offense at this point so CPAT is my RB 27 on the week remains a freaking God at playing football the problem is we need that sweet sweet volume and he is not getting it tough matchup this week against the commanders fourth best defense in PPR points per game allowed to running backs by the way apologies if we had any uh, dogs barking in the background we we got four of them running around the uh, Hardest household Thanksgiving with the uh, all the family over here. So awesome stuff with them just ripping apart all the local UPS drivers. But on to the four and seven third place, New Orleans Saints this week in San Francisco. 49ers favored by nine and a half game total at 43. So, hey, I said a lot of not nice things about Andy Dalton last week because guess what? He had back to back games where he didn't play very good football fantastic performance last week some of these tight window throws were really awesome Kevin you look at the stats and they reflect what we saw like he had a really good game out there I mean that dime down the field to Chris Alave was under pressure like it was a great game and then all of a sudden we get a report from one of the best beat writers in the game new Orleans uh, Football's nick underhill who reports the saints coached said I'm sorry the Saints coaches said they realized they were underutilizing Taysom Hill's unicorn skill set before week 11. That was your takeaway, more Taysom Hill after that performance from Andy Dalton? So, it's one of those things man where talking about Taysom Hill in the off season, my issue with getting behind him as a fantasy asset despite the potential to be a fantasy unicorn speaking of that uh, you know, term with his ability to go out there and just work as The quarterback, because not only did they have Jameis, they had Andy Dalton, but I don't know what's going on with Jameis not getting these opportunities. It doesn't seem like they have any interest in giving him more run down the road. I'm starting to wonder if we see Taysom Hill down the stretch, get another chance to play quarterback. And if that happens, Kevin, he's going to be like the tight end one because of this messed up simulation we're living in where Taysom Hill has tight end eligibility in (laughs) fantasy football. But... This could win some fantasy leagues down the stretch. God forbid Taysom Hill is out there, and I know, oh, Ian, he's not out there anywhere. I'm going to pull up ESPN stuff, but when I throw this back to Kevin, I'm guessing he's still not owned in over 50% of ESPN leagues. So what are your thoughts on the Taysom Hill experience becoming a full-time thing moving forward, Kevin? Because, my God, New Orleans, whether it's Sean Payton, Dennis Allen, they love this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it could be a thing. I think it makes sense, honestly. I know you said that Dalton played better, but it's not like you should be super confident in, it, in that sort of play. He had some nice throws. Uh, the long pass to Chris Olave, who's a baller, by the way. Chris Olave yeah. is a baller. Dog. Um, maybe my pick for rookie offensive rookie of the year, if I were really going to select someone. I think Kenneth Walker probably has the inside track on that, but... Um, that was almost like a no-look pass from Dalton on that one. He was getting so much pressure. He just tossed it up there. He looked surprised as anyone. He's like, oh, my God, that was a touchdown. What happened? Um, so just baller by, by Olave, though, on this one. So I, I love him, uh, even if he doesn't have the highest upside in this offense. And I know we're talking a lot of Taysom Hill. Um, are we going to do it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's give out some more flowers. Let's give some flowers to Juwan Johnson. Johnson. Let's Juwan go. Johnson right now because – Uh, Tight end eight, four, five the last three weeks. Tight end seven on the season. Hey, it's a dark world, the tight end position. And he's a little bit of light, a little shining light coming through for those who don't have a Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews on their team.
0: Love the note about Chris Olave. I mean, most yards per out run by a rookie wide receiver since 2015. AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then Chris Olave. So I know he doesn't win the same way as those guys. He's always been. Again, you can't really talk about Chris Alave without talking about how smooth the guy is out there. But it's true. And I think because of that, people just tend to kind of underestimate him. Not necessarily not necessarily saying defenders, but just in the you know, the lexicon of talking about, you know, who the best wide receivers are out there. I'm with you. My pick for rookie of the year. And- Certain someone, certain hosts of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Kevin, might have called that before the season, and might have called Patrick Mahomes as the MVP. And don't ask me uh, who I said would win the NFC, and I said the Packers.
1: Props, so, yeah, props to, props <laughs> to Dwayne McFarland for nailing. Those oh balls. my goodness!
0: <laughs> but again, yeah, please don't uh, revisit all those because they was certainly not a full hit, but it has been good to see. I feel like the thing, like Kenneth Walker, has been awesome, but like I don't think he's been like. As good relative to past rookie running backs as Olave has been the wide receivers. Is that fair? Like that's why I would give it to Olave.
1: No, I think that's fair, but you got to realize these sorts of uh position um awards, it's gonna be a lot of just looking at totals, looking at totals. Right. Like if he gets a thousand yards and they have a good team and a certain number of touchdowns, then boom, that's gonna probably look better than the numbers that Olave is gonna put up. Yeah, yards per. I mean, remember Justin Jefferson? I mean, this is a quarterback though. Decision. I mean, just Justin Jefferson didn't win Rookie of the Year, right? Versus Justin Herbert. I think running backs and quarterbacks, just like in the MVP race, they they get um, they, they they get pushed up above wide receivers.
0: Well, th- there was one vote that went to Mac Jones last year instead of like Jamar Chase. I mean, come on at that point. But yeah, it's just a, it's a reality of some of the award season propaganda. Last place, three and eight Carolina Panthers this week at home against the Broncos. Denver favored by two and a half game total week low, 36 and a half points. Sam Darnold, he's back getting a chance to go out there and do whatever it is that his thing is against one of the very best defenses. In Hopefully Indiana. pass to DJ Moore.
1: That's his thing. That's your that's your one job. That's your one job, Sam Darnold. I was surprised,
0: and I think it's relative to how bad things have been this season, but I was surprised that actually how well Darnold did get the ball to DJ Moore last year just once I looked past it. They had 11 games together. I'm sorry. They had uh, 12 games together. And DJ Moore averaged 5.7 catches for 70.7 yards and 0.25 touchdowns. Not incredible, but hell of a lot better than the four catches and 46 yards that he's been averaging this year, you know, with various guys. 9.8 9.8 targets per game with Darnold, just 7.5 targets per game this season. So again, plenty of duds in those sample with Sam Darnold. But again, this has been a new low for DJ Moore throughout this season. I think, Kevin, maybe not this week because Patrick Sertan II is incredible when he's not facing Devontae Adams out there. I don't think he's going to cause a lot of problems for Moore in this entire passing game. You know, fifth highest graded cornerback on the season in PFF coverage grade. But moving forward, I do think Darnold, you could argue, is a little bit of an upgrade for DJ Moore that said I don't want to immediately assume that 2021 Sam Darnold is going to be the exact same as 2022 Darnold. So any thoughts on DJ Moore here moving forward? I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm going to, you know, fix my previous error here and not put confidence anywhere near uh this sentence
1: well, I would be more, honestly. I know it's a it's a shocking statement, but I would be more confident that a connection that we've seen work in the past for multiple games, as you mentioned, this wasn't just like a one, two, three game sort of thing. This was a larger sample of thing. I think it's good. I think DJ Moore could... If by some chance you built well around him and you still have him on your team just looking at the darkness all season long, and you could maybe plug him in these last few weeks and into the playoffs if Darnold retains that position, he could put up some big weeks. He could put up some wide receiver one weeks for you
0: do you want to bring up again as we said last week that Deontay Foreman despite coming off some of these good games again I just think we have it in our heads that these guys they score two or three touchdowns it's like we need to start them again the next week like no matter what and yeah you have your Christian Watsons of the world who just are in—you know incapable of ever busting under any conditions out there but Christian Watson aside all jokes aside Deontay Foreman like he's had the three really big games but those came in formats where they were able to play with double digit leads and then also in that back and forth overtime Time game against the Falcons. So, unfortunately, he just runs the risk of finishing with 10 or 11 scoreless touches anytime they are going to fall behind big. So, this week, the Broncos only favored by two and a half. I'm not expecting severe negative game script. That said, the efficiency I hand could be pretty tough to come by. I don't know, though. Josh Jacobs had some success against his D. I have Deontay Foreman, let's see, Kevin, as my RB 28 on the week. So, you know, with, with a few buys in there, he kind of be a borderline RB two. I feel like that's fair. This is still a terrible offense and I would not be surprised if he's already had his best games of the season.
1: Yeah, it's a terrible offense and you like the game script is not an issue as far as trailing the entire time, but this could just be a very very ugly offensive game across the board. So it could just be it doesn't matter the game script, it's just everyone has a subpar outcome.
0: Only the Rams implied to score fewer points than the Panthers this week. Not great. All right, before we move on to the NFC West, want to give a shout out to some of our lovely sponsors. Even though Best Ball Mania has ended, Underdog Fantasy is still the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season with their pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player's stats. Pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that number in this week's game. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players for your Pick'Em entry. Get all your picks right and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. PFF Lily is a big fan of that. It's simple to get started. Just head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up for promo code PFF and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy promo code PFF. Get in on the action today. Also, the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, plan to start a family. Wondering how to make your money grow? Western Southern's Playbook of Life Insurance Investment and Retirement Solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Also, want to give a shout out to our friends over at Sleeper. We just talked about him, but DJ Moore is going to be our bounce back player of the episode. Not this week, because again, I am objectively terrified about Patrick Sertan and that top ranked Broncos secondary and PFF coverage grade. But moving forward. As sad as this is to say, Sam Donald could be an upgrade for DJ Moore. I mean, look, I'm gonna give. I think Terry McLaurin objectively is a little bit better than DJ Moore, and for that reason, I'm giving him the crown as this generation's Alan Robinson before him, Andre Johnson of just balling out with one bad quarterback after another. But McLaurin and DJ Moore, and honestly, if you want to even go back to college with DJ Moore and some of the things he had to deal with, I'm using your
1: Terps right there, Kevin yeah yeah there you go that was that was an exciting game
0: yeah i mean you know you guys lost by double digits as usual (laughs) because buckeyes are gonna do that but yes dj moore last season with maryland four different quarterbacks under center please for the love of god free dj moore at least get him a good quarterback in carolina that is all we're asking but once again shout out to our friends over there at sleeper i don't know how i'm gonna do the sunday night pod kevin if I don't want to put it out on the universe, but man, when things go wrong for Ohio state stuff starts flying around my household. And I've been waiting a year to get back at that freaking team up North who I've been nervous all week about it. Trying just to work, trying to grind the fancy to keep my mind off the bigger issue going on. So cannot wait for the game. On okay. Stage. Well,
1: actually I have some breaking news that might keep Whoa. your mind off of it. Breaking Whoa. news here. So the LA, the LA Rams, have made a move. There's a move. They're making a quarterback, which could hint to some problems for um, Matthew Stafford and his ability to come back in the next week or two. They are signing quarterback Case Cookus to their <laughs> practice squad. The return of Case Cookus. That's so, our right? in If you're in an eight quarterback league, you might want to look at Case Cookus. He might have a chance to play at some point in time.
0: Lucas was playing some good ball last uh, last (laughs) spring, Kevin. I'm not sure if you were checking the uh, Philadelphia Stars in the – I was not. I was not at
1: all, I have to say.
0: Case Cookus, man, that dude, uh, that dude can ball. Should have been, you could argue, a a USFL champion. Couldn't quite get it done when it mattered. But yeah, that's RFC guy. He's got to be hyped right now. All right, final four here. NFC West first place, San Francisco 49ers facing off against the Saints this week. Nine and a half point home favorites. Game total at 43. Uh, you know, clever tweet by you, Kevin, just giving Troy Aikman some love where Aikman said on the broadcast, these are the things that people don't want to talk about with
1: Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. The conspiracy. So let's, so let's the talk conspiracy about against it against Jimmy Garoppolo. What is the yeah,
0: conspiracy I mean, against Jimmy Garoppolo?
1: Well, no, he actually had another segment. I went over this on the Unexpected Pods, uh, uh, Unexpected Points podcast if you want to check it out. He had another like. I don't know. Maybe he had some sort of is uh, a mind melt. I had a mind melt with Troy Aikman here, because <laughs> normally we're not on the same page very much. Um, but he he mostly mentioned in the podcast that like Jimmy Garoppolo on third down, touchdowns he had in that game on third down, but in order to sustain the running game, which everyone talks about the running game for for San Francisco, it's actually not that efficient of a running game, but they run it a lot you have to convert third downs and he said the only thing I'll I'll, I'll nitpick for Troy a little bit is he said the Jimmy's been really good at converting third downs this year in in reality, he was great at converting down third downs in 2017, he was injured in 2018, great in 2019, pretty good last year even though he was injured, so above what you would expect and of course doing well this year. So yeah, let's give Jimmy let's give Jimmy his flowers, okay? Let's give Jimmy his flowers. He converts those third downs, he makes the offense run. Is he going to throw four touchdowns every week? Probably not, but um he's he's let's let's, let's give him some credit.
0: It's one of those things where, like, no, I don't think yards per attempt is the one-all, be-all stat for encompassing a quarterback, but what is? And it's at least a good stat. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to pick up as many yards as possible per pass attempt. You can talk about the players catching the pass, the way the plays were designed, but either way, man, you would think if he was really bad that you might have a dud one of these years in the category. 2017, first in yards per attempt. 2018, tied for ninth. 2019, third. 2020, tied for ninth. Second in 2021. And fourth in 20. 2022, eight plus yards per attempt every single season along the way, except for 2020.
1: And and one, one thing about the yards after catch, people like to discount his performance by yards after catch, but you have to look at the offense and the way it's constructed. And I think it's interesting to contrast it to the Miami dolphins and how they construct, like they are not actually a yards after catch offense that we thought it would have, despite the fact that it's from the Shanahan tree. They're more like, they don't have a lot of yards after catch actually in that offense, but they're able to stretch the ball down the field a bit more the San Francisco office is designed to have yards after the catch, So I do think some of the formulas and other things where we like to discount Jimmy because of the yards after catch is maybe doing a bit of a disservice because yeah, if he was getting this much yak in an offense that wasn't designed to have yak like that, then you just say these receivers are incredible and he, they're being lifted by him. The receivers are incredible, but at the same time, it is an offense that's designed to get a lot of yards after the catch. Also,
0: It's okay to give the receivers like 70% of the credit instead of a hundred and like zero to (laughs) 130%.
1: They're going over a hundred percent on a lot of these things here. So um, the one thing I'll say about the offense, though, generally still not a lot of pass attempts, still not a lot of yardage. Uh, It was very narrow. You know, no one other than those four, four main options that we're going to be looking at caught the ball in this situation And McCaffrey, I think they're using him very wisely by allowing Elijah Mitchell to run the ball a lot more because I don't think he's going to give you a lot of value necessarily over Elijah Mitchell. And why get him injured on something like that? Where he's adding the most value is in running routes and picking up third downs and being the option where they just can't cover everyone on these third and five situations, which has just been easy pickings for Jimmy Garoppolo to find the right guy and to convert and to keep on moving and going forward.
0: So, yeah, I get it. It'd be a lot better, be a lot cooler if Christian McCaffrey was getting 100% snaps per usual on every touch. But I do think it's smarter in real life. And just in terms of redraft season-long 2022 fantasy, we're starting him, we're starting Debo, we're starting Kittle regardless. Even Brandon Ayuk, with the way he's playing lately, pretty much getting into that must-start conversation in his own right. I still... I mean, I it was know, a little
1: bit worrisome, though. That I think he only had two catches, right? They're both touchdowns. Two but, touchdowns, exactly. So that, that helps, yeah.
0: No, that's what... I I, I get it. I, don't, I wouldn't put him quite there. He's, you know, pretty close to, like, I think Devontae Smith uh, in my ranking. So, still, you know, quality. Yeah, like Let's see. Where do I have him specifically? Yeah, I have Brandon Ayuk as my wide receiver 23. So, low-end, borderline wide receiver 2, whatever floats your boat. So
1: he's been good. I mean, he's he's a top 20 receiver this season, right? Top 15 ish sort of receiver this season. So he's there. He's there. It's just the floor is going to be low for for him in particular.
0: What's going to be real interesting is figuring out McCaffrey in 2023 and where he falls in the redraft class with that cuz like this role he has now is a lot closer to something like Alvin Kamara I think has had over the years and guess what Kamara's been just fine putting up you know some legit top 3 overall finishes along the way certainly something McCaffrey is still capable of just not quite that same prime CMC role which honestly is one of the most fantasy friendly workloads we've ever seen a player have so still very good things going on in San Francisco even if McCaffrey isn't giving you quite as many overall RB1 weeks, still awfully happy to have him on the fantasy squad. Second place, Seattle Seahawks, six and four coming out of their bye. They're home against the Raiders, favored by three and a half points. Game totals at 47 and a half. So, man, were they exposed before the bye, Kevin? Because that was a little bit of a rough game out there. Buccaneers, I believe, had a 21-3 to three lead after 45 minutes of action. Obviously, haven't seen a ton of good football being played from the Buccaneers uh this, this uh fall. That said, Gino did come back, throw a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter, to help keep them a little bit uh, into the game. But I guess how much longer does Geno Smith need to play like a great quarterback until we're like, yeah, OK, I guess this guy is pretty damn good out there.
1: I mean, I think he's good. I think that's what that's what we're going to say. And I think you talk about whether they had been exposed or not. Um, the the point spread in this game is an interesting way to gauge how to feel about this team, a three and a half point favorite. So if you're a three and a half point favorite and you're at home, that means that's more than the standard uh, home field advantage type of swing that you would have there. So they are seen as being the better team, but not significantly better than than the Raiders in this one you know materially better but not significantly better so that's the type of team that they are and that's what we expect them going forward you just haven't had that many floor games other than at the beginning of the season uh that 49ers game maybe for this offense it could happen again we'll see how they play down the stretch I don't think they're going to maintain have they been playing like a top 10 offense but I think they probably saying their top half is fair
0: one really good takeaway from that game goes to Kenneth Walker. I mean, this was the sort of game script where we didn't get a rushing touchdown and they did fall behind. You wouldn't have been surprised if he had the sort of Saquon or Damian Pierce dud that uh, we've been talking about throughout the episode and that didn't happen, man. He was still able to go out there and catch six passes for 55 yards out there. I mean, this week should be a smash against that Raiders front seven. That's allowed the fourth most PPR points per game to opposing running backs. But again, just a really good data point to see Kenneth Walker have Worst case uh, game script, you could argue, for himself and still be just fine in full PPR scoring. So he is my overall RB six on the week. Lock it, Metcalf feeling good there. Let's go ahead and move on to our third place. One thing we actually
1: I don't mention one thing about Walker. You know, you're talking, I started to think about this. We're talking about like what is Christian McCaffrey going to be as far as his redraft value for next season and then you know jonathan taylor hasn't been you know all that hot this season you know austin eckler has been doing the eckler thing catching a lot of passes uh derrick henry has been looking Derek henry ish she's going to be kind of old saquon barkley we'll see if we can rely upon him i mean could kenneth walker be in the discussion for maybe not being the rb1 but like right up there right at the top
0: one of these guys is going to be ranked as the RBA, but there's a big tier. So I think it's just going to come down to kind of taking whoever. I'm just saying
1: there's no one who stands out, who stands like head and shoulders above anyone else, in my opinion, which means that I think it's weird to say after how it started the season and Brees Hall and all that, but Kenneth Walker is right there with the top running backs. Uh, He's probably the number one running back in dynasty right now. Right. Yeah,
0: until we see Seattle like extend Rashad Penny this offseason and go back <laughs> to being a two man
1: committee. Oh, yeah. Pete, Pete Carroll's like, oh, I love it. Running backs. Who are, are we going to draft in the second round this yeah, year? To, to have, then we get a Thunder and Lightning combination <laughs> or some or some nonsense. Yeah. There's the,
0: the running back free agent class has already been getting a little bit of steam. It is super deep. So there's going to be a lot of moving parts. May, the Cowboys can finally get out of Zeke's deal. If they get rid of Zeke, man, or they just at least let him go into free agency and then they re sign Pollard, that would be, I think, a consensus overall RB1 if Pollard was the featured back in Dallas going into next year. But otherwise, yeah, I think we're going to have a big conversation at the top of the board for the first time ever that, I mean, not the first time ever, but first time in a while that includes more than one or two running backs. We will worry about all that mess uh, here in a couple months. Four and seven Cardinals sitting there in third place. They are home against the Chargers this week. Chargers are four and a half point road favorites game total of 47 and a half. So Wait, wait. Colt McCoy has one good game, and all of a sudden we got people talking about should 36 year old Colt McCoy be out there over Kyler Murray? Come the hell on with this! I'm he not the sure. Gets ball
1: out on time, even yeah. that's what I think. Troy, Troy in that game where they said his time to throw, he's like, I don't believe this mumbo jumbo nonsense, <laughs> witchcraft of time measuring time to throw. So Troy, Troy came back. Troy came back to being his normal Troy ness.
0: Bad performance, but against a really legit 49ers defense that, again, I would say 49ers, Broncos, Cowboys... Bills probably the class of the NFL on that side of the ball. You can maybe put the Jets in there as well. A lot of good defenses, and certainly the 49ers are one of them. So I don't want to completely, you know, take out, uh, you know, all the Colt McCoy. He's a backup quarterback, and guess what? Backup quarterbacks should be able to go 500, you know, ideally when they're out there, and he's come pretty close to doing that over the past two years. So hopefully Kyler can get back out there. If he is, he's a QB one. If not, Colt McCoy going to be tougher to trust. But the wide receiver room is where we have some more. Quarters questions because Marquise Brown Could be back this week. That said, they do have a week 13 by. So Marquise Brown, I wouldn't be shocked if they're a little uh, more cautious getting him back. We have Rondale Moore now working through a groin injury. Maybe they'd take a a cautious approach with him. Haven't seen an update just yet. So DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, third most expected PPR points per game. Tarverius Ward is calling him steroid boy, which, uh, you know, pretty funny. Okay, we'll give him the nod there. But hey, Hopkins going out there, putting up big numbers. James Connor has the big workload. Greg Dortch season, perhaps, Kevin. If Rondale Moore is out of the picture, if Marquise Brown is out of the picture, I can't believe I'm kind of getting hyped about Greg Dortch, but we've seen it in this offense, and particularly with McCoy under center, I'm not saying it's the most well-designed offense in the world, but they find a way to feed the slot receiver. And in four big games this year, Greg Dortch, like just in terms of having a full-time role, seven catches, 63 yards, four catches, 55 yards in the tutty, nine catches, 90 yards, and most recently, nine catches and 103 yards. I mean, it's tough in a week where we don't have any buys to rank him too highly, but full PPR, Dortch deserves to be in the wide receiver three conversation. What What a time to be alive, Kevin.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's just that role, right? That slot role for the Cardinals is pretty fruitful. And, Dorch, I'm just looking him up so I can get his exact dimensions here. Uh, 5'7", 173 pounds. So he's just not going outside, right? So just by necessity, they're going to throw him into the slot. So, yeah, if if Rondell Moore is out, if Marquise Brown doesn't come back, I kind of think – marquise brown is going to come back though um i think it was close enough that they'll bring him back i know you mentioned the buy and that stuff but we're in desperate times for (laughs) desperate times for uh for the cardinals um so if marquise brown doesn't play i think dorge is an interesting play here if marquise brown does play i think marquise brown could have a big game but it's interesting to see it that what that dynamic is going to be because he was almost like the target hog sort of guy he wasn't a hugely efficient guy with his targets um, and when he how, that's how he was getting home before, but it'll be so it'll be interesting to see how he is playing with Deandre Hopkins. and maybe we'll see that this week.
0: There is a chance that Brown, if they're going to use him differently, could unlock this offense. They haven't even tried to really stretch the field throughout this season. And to your point, they were using Hollywood much more underneath uh, throughout his, you know, successful and productive first six weeks out there but they had to because Hopkins was out of the picture Rondale missed the first three or four games of the season as well so theoretically if you have Hopkins doing Hopkins things you got some explosive underneath guys like Rondale and to a lesser extent Greg Dortch. Marquise Brown taking the top off could make things that much easier for Hopkins more Dorch and even Trey McBride in those underneath intermediate areas of the field I mean
1: my concern would be you know there's not just one lock on this office. There are multiple locks. There's a dead yeah. bolt. There's <laughs> yeah. someone someone is, 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 being, is propped a chair. Someone has propped a chair behind there and stuck it in there to keep it closed. that's that's my only concern about this offense.
0: Very fair. But an offense we have even more concerns about the last <laughs> yeah. place, three and seven, Los Angeles Rams. And hey, Case Cook is
1: here. Case, Case Cook to the rescue.
0: Don't, don't sleep on these USFL ballers. Kansas City favored by 14 and a half points, game total just at 44. So we got rid of Daryl Henderson. So let's go.
1: back. What's up? Back to that top sh- five. I mean, that was a weird, weird draft, which reminds me. Uh, this is, again, fantasy team that no one cares about. I picked up Cam Akers in our fantasy league, who you drafted at the beginning, at the beginning of the season. I tried
0: to re-sign him. You all, oh, no, we don't have bids. That's right. It's freaking waiver. <laughs> so,
1: so, so, so then I got Cam <sighs> Akers back there. But who knows? Maybe it'd be Kyron Williams. They must like Kyron Williams. And Cam Akers is being used. So I don't know. Maybe one of those guys can be useful. Um, Stafford, they should probably just, like, almost think about shutting him down. Uh, at this point with those back-to-back concussions. Uh, Props to Tutu Atwell. I mentioned him in the last spot. is like, what do we need to do to see him? So the Rams send him out there. He catches a 65-yard touchdown. And they're like, okay, enough. We've seen enough. We put you away. We can't do that. No more of that, please. So I don't know what's going on
0: it sucked to see Stafford get that concussion. He was balling out there. Yeah, he was Hustler. playing well. That was maybe yeah. his best game of the year. He had that dime to two two. He had Allen Robinson down the sideline. Unfortunately, it got dropped, but really it was looking good before that injury. But to your point, wouldn't be surprised if we have seen the last of Stafford and obviously Cooper cup this season. So in this yeah, spot, they're done.
1: This season's over. Like you might as well just pull over. up the stakes at this point, hope to, you know, make some good free agent signings, use your compensatory picks. since you got no draft picks as usual and try to build forward for next year.
0: So Higby. Yeah. Okay. Volume based tight M one that said, I mean, he hasn't scored all season. He doesn't have over 50 yards in a game since week five, but he is back to at least, you know, 89% route rate last week. He's no longer being used as a blocker so we can get behind him and full PPR as, you know, a top 10 option. Otherwise, though, really just any close start sit question, I'm going to be taking the other guy. I have Allen Robinson as my wide receiver, 40. I mean, three touchdowns on the year, yet to reach 65 yards in a game. I mean, look, it's the 32nd-ranked offensive line, PFFs, uh, that I think is causing a lot of the problems. I mean, they had a three when they had Bryce Perkins out there under center at the end. They had three straight snaps where I had to, like, double-check it because it was, like, a second down, a third down, the first down, the next drive where – Saints only rush four guys. Saints don't even have a good pass rush. And the Saints just swallowed Bryce like immediately, man. He didn't even have a chance out there. Hasn't been that much difference with Walford or Stafford under center. So I guess Akers and Kyron, if you want to have, you know, that ticket out there. But this is another offense, man, where I brought it up similar to the Ravens, where it's like you can't be overly critical of these running backs because the opportunity just hasn't been there. Rams running backs collectively this year. 31st in carries and 28th in targets. So I honestly thought Henderson had been the best running back of the group. Like I still don't understand what exactly happened here. He started last week. He had two carries for nine yards. He had two additional plays where he just wasn't a factor. I watched them to make sure he didn't blow a pass protection or anything. He didn't. And then it came out on Monday that he tweaked his knee in pregame and they waved the guy. So I have zero idea what's going on with Daryl Anderson other than that uh, Sean McVay apparently really freaking hates him. So with that, anything else to say about the Rams, Kevin?
1: No, nothing else to say. Uh, I mentioned last week that I thought it could just be all over for them. They put up a little fight early, but yeah, it's over.
0: Final, Final updates as I'm scrolling. Nodi's on the phone, Claude Ebertsolaire on IR. Juju Schuster scheduled to practice on Wednesday. Jamar Chase is
1: gonna play, according to Joe Burrow. Oh, Burrow said that? I believe so.
0: That's hot. Justin Fields scheduled to practice Wednesday. That's great news. Bryce Perkins getting ooh. Bryce Perkins first team reps. He runs around, Kevin. Is there any
1: Kyle Allen is starting for the Texans?
0: No, yes. not him again.
1: Yes, according to Aaron Wilson, who's pretty plugged in to what's all things Texans, he was the Texan guy there. Because uh, Lovey Smith earlier today were saying he wasn't going to say he was not saying who was going to start at quarterback because <laughs> he didn't want to give a competitive advantage to the got leaked teams. in like three hours <laughs> and then it's out. Not even and then it, and then it's already out. Yeah, you don't want to give that competitive advantage to to the to to the Dolphins. How are they? Now they might win. Now the Dolphins might win that they know it's Kyle Allen who's going to be quarterback.
0: I will never forgive Kyle Allen for convincing the world Curtis Samuel was not good at football with some of the terrible play he put forward back in 2019. <laughs> also, final note is the Giants. Oh my gosh. They're without Evan Neal, John Feliciano. They're basically going to be out four key. They're going to be without four key offensive linemen against Michael Parsons and company. Good luck, Daniel Jones. I mean, that might be Hell, I know Daniel Jones runs the football, but he's being set up for a slaughter out there, man. That is, that is going to be rough for him. But, hey, we've done it. Thanksgiving on the way. Eat some turkey. Eat some cranberry sauce if you're feeling it, man. Again, I'm trying to come out and tell you guys I have bad food takes. But if you're out there like me and you do enjoy some cranberry sauce, go freaking enjoy it. But, Kevin, Unexpected Points podcast. and Let the people know what else you got going on over at PFF.com.
1: Yeah, QB rankings, showdown stuff. I'm going to do the – the big showdown contest is the, you know, not traditional Thanksgiving <laughs> game is the, is the late game there for the Patriots and Vikings, so I'll have a write-up for that. And then, of course, the normal schedule of Sunday night and Monday night uh, also. And then stacks and ceilings, uh, different simulation-based work that I do for DFS. We'll have that for the Sunday slate.
0: Great stuff all around. I. <laughs> rap sheets calling it a rough fall from grace for davis mills
1: what when was <laughs> maybe they're going all the way back to him being the number one quarterback prospect coming out of high school maybe but you know
0: <laughs> when the hell was mills even high enough
1: up mills mafia in shambles
0: i mean look mills has some played good this whole season. Oh. Who has on the Texans other than, uh you know. No, he's been
1: trashed. We, li- we were hoping for something a little bit better than this.
0: Again, last week, I'd argue Brandon Cooks was a bigger problem than uh, Davis Mills, so I don't know. But yeah, uh, Lovie Smith, you know, just after all that success he had at Illinois, uh, really turning things around in Houston as well. Just uh, falling upwards. Got to love that in the NFL I mean, he's coaching. taking
1: space there. He's taking space until, is he, is until they is- can draft. I mean, they're going to secure this number one pick. Who Who's the top quarterback prospect now? I don't even know. Stroud, baby, is it Stroud? Okay, uh,
0: I don't know. We'll see. Uh,
1: a- yeah. So whoever it is, they're going to draft somebody. They're going to bring in a new coach based upon that. So I mean, Lovey, he's, he's his beard game is still is still top notch. So he'll 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 have that, and he'll have checks coming in. The, the, the well, Texans are just sending checks out to all these different coaches who are not coaching. i I'm available, Texans. If you need to bring me in for an interim position or something like that to collect some checks in the future.
0: Well, just, you know, still need you on Wednesdays. But if you want to go do that, I
1: I could do that. I could coach that team and still be here on on Wednesdays. I mean, Jeff Saturday is proving it's not that hard. They almost upset the Eagles.
0: (laughs) For Kevin, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.